Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Inside the Inspired, a podcast about people that create opportunity for themselves. I'm your host, Jonathan Cohen. This episode features Erica Zendel, a technology manager on sabbatical, traveling across the country training Brazilian jiu-jitsu while writing her book and memoir, Zen in the Art of Fighting. In this episode, we talked about how the pandemic prompted her to look introspectively and force her to consider what mattered most. We talked about milestones versus goals and plotting out life data points. Erica has worked as a product manager for brands such as Wayfair, a software service, SAP Hybris, and a program manager for ASICS Digital. Erica holds an MBA from MIT Sloan School of Management and a bachelor's in comparative literature from Princeton. Lastly, on this sabbatical, Erica was recently promoted to the rank of a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu purple belt. Don't worry, we'll get into what that means. Erica has been featured on multiple podcasts and writes a newsletter that you can subscribe to, which I'll link to in the show notes. You can also follow Erica through her blog and on Instagram at Zen in the Art of Fighting. Please join me in welcoming my guest, Erica Zendel. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Inspired with an old friend, but still amazing and incredible as ever a huge inspiration for me. Please welcome Erica Zendel. How are you today? Doing well. As we were saying just before we got on air, I can't. I think it's maybe been about 20 years since we've seen Insane. each other like face to face, virtual or in person. So it's Insane. great to be here and reconnect. It really, it really truly is. Erica was someone I actually went to elementary school with and you defined gold star. That's how <laughs> I remember you, honestly. It's, it really was just like number one student in the class, always knew the answer to every question, clearly levels beyond the rest of us and still just knew what was good like you just get it and and it shows with everything i see you doing out on social media i wanted to bring erica on the show because as we know this is inside the inspired and erica has uh, inspired me from from afar just just leading her own life and is a big big reason why i picked up martial arts four months ago uh, we actually also used to do karate together karate yeah. when when we were younger what do you remember about that i remember the night where all the were, oh gosh, what was it? It was like Mayor's Karate and Fitness and was it Hawthorne or North? Ha it's in North Halden. I think the place mm. is still there. I remember the night that my parents wanted me to quit or that I wanted to quit. I think we were finally doing some sparring. I, given the way the belt system worked there, I think after purple was red, whereas in a lot of other martial arts, like red comes after black. I think I was like a red belt at the time. And I think I got like knocked, knocked on my head or on my neck. And I remember going over next door to my parent my parents were having dinner at the Italian restaurant next door and like being in tears. And I, I must've been either in fifth or sixth grade at the time. And that was when I fully pivoted from any of the athletic and martial arts stuff, just purely into academics. And then just chased that as hard as I possibly could for maybe the next decade of my life. And I, I it's funny when you say like, it's great to see that you're still with it, but the reality is I had at least a 10 year hiatus from any sort of martial arts, um, because that night where I got knocked on my head in sparring and I, and I did quit that night and now I refuse to. <laughs> I love it. I love it because I remember it a bit differently. I'll tell you how I remember it. I remember you sparring up against this really, really big guy, massive, massive guy. And 
I remember you getting a couple points in those. <laughs> you were in the finals. I had gone up against the guy in one of those sparring tournaments. I had gone up against him. I remember like taking his kicks and just like getting the wind knocked out of me. And you went up against him in the final. I don't remember the outcome, but I remember you. I you clearly it don't. Far. So <laughs> that's how I remember it vaguely. But now that we've walked down memory lane, let's get into a bit of your background. What have you been up to? You you chased academics, but but what does that mean? You chased academics. I remember there was a joke among that was. Du- Gosh, what was it? There was something that happened at Solomon Schechter where we had to do these presentations about the future and Brian Klein had his thing around like the time machine and his version of my life in the future of the time machine was me collecting degrees at the highest level from like Harvard, Princeton, Yale, like, and it was like a laundry list. I was like, thanks, Brian. And to some extent I did kind of see that through. So mm-hmm. kudos to BK because he was right. I checked the box for going to an Ivy League college and graduated from Princeton in 2012. Amazing. I got my MBA from MIT um, a couple of years after that and then kind of felt empty after it because that had been the thing that I'd been chasing for a very long time. This is the question that I'm trying to figure out on this trip. Like, what is the goal of the trip? Mm. And some of it is to figure out what do you actually want? What is the thing that is actually going to make you happy? And I'd say that this trip is pretty close and I'll get into that later. But I guess in terms of background and what got me here was I needed to get off the, the ladder climbing and the straight and narrow ride. Because after, when you grow up, especially I'd say like Northern New Jersey, not necessarily, like I wouldn't say I grew up in a high pressure, stereotypically Jewish household, but like the tri-state area is a competitive place. There's a lot of people ask you like, what do you do for work? And where did you go to school before? Like, hi, like, how are you? Whereas on the West coast, I'm con- I've been told the opposite is true. And that's where we're headed next. Yeah, I think I I graduated from MIT. I had a a job lined up in the tech industry. I hadn't had like a really formal, rigorous nine to five with an indefinite, this is corporate America. This is what it all leads to. And that was kind of a rude awakening when I got in for my first tech job as a product manager in e-commerce, where it was like round the clock, working with engineers for the very first time, working in a larger company for the very first time. Prior to that, I'd worked as a researcher. I'd had a food business. I had had a podcast of my own. I'd done a lot of eclectic things and I'd had internships in business, but I'd never kind of gotten ready to settle in for the long haul. And when I did, I was like, well, oh crap, am I in the right car? Am I even driving? So I'd say that for, and it was at during that first tech job where I was also in a relationship with the person I thought I'd end up with. And on cyber, the night before Cyber Monday, he suddenly broke up with me. Didn't know why we were living in a nice apartment in Boston's Chinatown. We'd been dating for almost two years at the time. And between the, you know, real corporate world, post MIT life, not matching what I would have expected for myself and the end of that relationship, I definitely felt lost. And it would be about six, like five to six months of rebuilding myself. And as part of that rebuilding process, I walked into a jujitsu gym. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. So I saw your post today of like, it's been four months since I like went to Oregon and I want to hear about that. And that changed your life. I'm like four months, try four years. I'm now up on like four and a half years of jujitsu. And I'll be curious to hear how you feel about that like seminal moment and, or that, you know, trip that changed everything uh, down the line. Because when I I got my purple belt, when I visited Boston last week and I'm just like, I cannot believe the difference. Thank you. Between when I started and where I am now, four months, try four years and (laughs) you'll really see some magic. That's really the perspective that I try to take with all this, where I was with my mind, my body, 
three, four years ago, I felt I had accomplished a lot physically, but mentally, similar to you, there was something that just was missing. And you have all the credentials as a person and as a professional, as far as I'm concerned. So to hear that you were in a space where you weren't fulfilled, you had unfinished business, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I, there was always a desire to write something. I'd started a blog when I graduated from college, or I guess I'd started the blog in college in order to retroactively legitimize my major in comparative literature, which is not the most employable degree, or at least it wasn't at the time I graduated unemployed. And that was another like shock to the system of its own beyond the, I graduated from MIT and I ended up in a tech job I don't love, but graduating from Princeton and walking through the gates without a job. I'm like, did I do this wrong? Was I sold a false promise? That, that forced me to like look inside myself and wonder what I was doing the first time around. And when I chose that major, I did it because I wanted to, wanted to see the world and travel. It had really heavy language requirements where you had to be fluent in one language and proficient in another by the department's definition. So at that time I studied Arabic, Chinese, Portuguese, a little bit of like Ethiopic, which is totally random. But I thought that I would be doing, when I saw myself in business in the long run, I thought it was going to be some sort of international business. And that's what I was going to get my MBA for. And that's not what I ultimately did, though it all kind of comes full circle. The desire to write has been around for a while. I don't think I really listened to it until when I moved to Boston, I started getting more consistent. The blog started as a exploration of the stuff I was doing in Complet. Then after I graduated, it started being like the open letter to anyone who wanted to know what I was doing with my life once I moved to Boston. Because I used to have, one of my favorite things in college was uh, like making stationery. And I had a lot of people I wrote to, I didn't get a ton of letters back. It's, it's a hard habit to keep up. So I started treating the blog as that letter to whoever cared. And then there were some posts that got a lot of interesting feedback, a lot of, thank you for writing this, this resonated with me. And over time, I was like, I would like to take this more seriously, but I never really had I never really had a why of what I knew why I was writing. Cause I'm like, this is the thing that I believe I was, I am supposed to do. I can't really rationalize it, but it is a soul held belief, but there was never the time for it. I gave my, I gave my heart to tech and, or I gave my heart to academics. I didn't leave enough room to let that seedling like grow, get water, get sunlight, fresh air. And really let the creative, like the creative, the creative process consume you. Like that's, that is a luxury and a gift. And I'm giving myself that now, but I think the last time I had a really strong intention to write like a full-on book was 2018, which was about, yeah, like one year after I started jujitsu and a lot of good things in my life had started to happen. Then I just got another job. And then I got another job after that. And I just kept running up that, running on that treadmill or in that hamster wheel. Cause I really, not to say I wasn't going anywhere, but I, I was doing more of the same, maybe with a different flavor, different brand or different team, but I was doing the same thing in different places and not really making traction in the areas that I cared about. And I think COVID for a lot of people and definitely for me, was like a forcing function of if I die tomorrow, if this pandemic is truly as bad as it is being portrayed to be, what would I regret not having done? The self-awareness is like just seeping all the way from wherever you are. Oklahoma City. (laughs) Oklahoma City. So you have a blog, right? What is it called? 
So for the audience. Oh my goodness. So it is woefully not updated. What I recommend for anyone in this audience who wants to follow something recent, if you go to Instagram at Zen in the art of fighting, or if you go to my personal one at Zendel E Z E N D E L L E in the sub headline, you can click to the Insta blog of this road trip. I'd say that's something I try to post at least three times a month. And I treat that as like an Instagram blog in the caption. I used to use Medium a lot for writing and you can still find stuff there. And I think I've got links to that in my like Instagram bio, as well as like a website under my person, my actual name, erica-zendel.com. The writing's kind of scattered in different places. I'm waiting for one day to hire someone or to have the kind of focus of, okay, I'm going to pick one platform and I'm going to go with it. But over the time that I've been writing, like I started my blog on like Blogger or Blogspot. So I had that site at the time it was called, at first it was called My Life in Complet. Then it was called Boston Uncommons. Oh no, then it was called A Summer Crossing. Then it was called Boston Uncommons. And then I pivoted over to Medium when a classmate of mine in business school was getting a ton of virality and success for like how shareable his articles were. And like the UI is very clean, but now people are going on Substack. People are, there's so many And also the more that I got into tech, the more paralyzed I became by choice because I understood what all of the options were Mm -hmm. for like publishing and sharing and marketing content. And then I'm like, I just need to pick one and stick with it. And if and when I need to replatform, if and when I need, if and when someone who does this for a living can and will coach me about this or I'm willing to pay for it, I'll handle it then. I just need to focus on putting stuff out there. Had you come up with the name? The Zen and the Art of Fighting, that comes from a book by Ray Bradbury. It's a collection of essays called Zen and the Art of Writing. If you look down on that Instagram handle, the very first post is a screen, is a photograph of the opening words in that collection of essays. And I think it reads, Zest Gusto, how often, or like, I don't know if it's how often or how rarely we, how often we see these words and how rarely we see people living by them. So Ray Bradbury is probably one of my favorite authors. I'd say Fahrenheit 451, even though it's a book that, you know, people frequently read in like middle school and it's like summer reading and it's like, yeah, whatever. I think it's one of the most like eminently rereadable books. His short stories are excellent. Um, I think he passed away the day that I graduated from college and I was like, this Uh is the like, and just such a good and underrated writer. The power of his imagination is unparalleled. Um, and I was like, this is the cross that I want to take up. This man has passed away and I want to like write something to honor like the legacy of everything that this man has brought into my own creative life. He's just got a, he's got a ton of joy about it. And I think that that's what sets the really successful and fulfilled practitioners, both in writing and in martial arts apart. I definitely tend more towards like the Hemingway and the dark side. But then yeah. I remember the people who've done the work that I most admire tend to, they, they skew towards the side of the light. Uh, Marcelo Garcia is probably a great example for martial arts practitioners of just a guy who's just abundantly joyful, at least in interviews that I've read. You mentioned a trip earlier mm-hmm. in this conversation. What have you been up to? Where, where are you traveling? What is this trip? You were in tech, you're not in tech. I had lived in Boston from the summer of 2012 after I graduated from undergrad up until April of 2021. April 2021, my boyfriend and I and our tiny adopted miniature dachshund named Snickers piled up everything that we cared to bring with us for the foreseeable future in a Subaru Forester. 
and started traveling across the country to station ourselves in cities that we might want to live in full-time, if not Boston, and places that we were curious about training at and seeing what we could, what we could learn from somewhere that wasn't our home academy. So I, where I trained jujitsu, my coach, that was the only place that I ever trained for any significant period of time. When I went on vacation, I trained in a few other gyms in Miami, California, even New York, but I'd never really left the nest. And the same was true for my boyfriend who also came up training through there. So I think we always had this curiosity of what's it like outside of, if we fly the coop, like what else is out there? And I think he's getting some answers to that question as as am I from a jujitsu perspective. I think for me, you know, I also, I turned 30 in the pandemic currently 31. And I think there were a lot of questions that I needed to answer for myself of how far could I go on like a personal and fairly self selfish passion before maybe I do have to settle down, get the down payment on the condo, buy insurance for the dog, live a more settled life. I didn't want to stay in Boston in particular, both at you know, the gym that I trained at the city that I'd been in for almost 10 years out of a state of complacency. I didn't want to just stay there because it was the only place I'd ever known because I didn't take a risk. And because I was already there and I was comfortable, um, I needed to know that I at least tried to do something different before, if I go back, then it will at least have been a conscious choice of, I chose to live in Boston. I didn't just end up here. I chose to train at my old gym. I didn't just stay there because it was the only thing I ever knew. And I loved my coach and that was that. So we have been traveling since April of this year. I think as we're recording this, it's almost October. It's like the last weekend in September. Um, We began the trip. We drove down through uh, Baltimore, Richmond, Charlotte, Atlanta, New Orleans, and then spent two months in Houston training at a place called Revolution Dojo. Then we went for two months in Austin, trained at a place called Paragon. And now we're currently in Oklahoma City uh, training at uh, Lovato's. Lovato's. And Rafael Lovato is an accomplished and decorated uh, jujitsu and jujitsu practitioner, mixed martial artist. And I can safely say, were it not for the name of Lovato, we probably would never be have considered in a million years living in Oklahoma City for uh, two months of our lives. But it's been really cool. It sounds like it. I mean, you're seeing the whole country with this incredible sense of purpose and curiosity that seems to be guiding you. I don't want to say blindly, but like you got a lot of faith in where this where this is taking you. And it's showing because you seem fulfilled. It seems like you're on the path that you wanted to be on when you left Mayor's Karate, maybe like 10 years ago, like you were saying. So it's interesting that we started with that because it's good to see that you stuck with it. And even if you had a hiatus, you know, I play the piano and uh, when I went to the military, I stopped. I maybe stopped for, I don't know, when I was like 18 until I was a second semester senior in college. And I tore my labrum playing basketball on my shoulder. And I had made a lot of strides with my fitness at that time. And I was looking forward to a great summer. I was studying for the LSAT. There was there was a lot to look forward to. And I randomly tear my labrum. I'm just stuck in New Jersey. Like I had no outlet. And so I see the piano in my basement and I end up walking over. And in a sling, I start playing the keys. Next thing I know, I wrote my first song and 
a few years and I haven't stopped playing since I actually ended up where I ended up winning a competition with the song awesome. called called Mr. Muhlenberg with that song. And uh, it really was like a full circle moment to me because visualization, I will not sit here and lie and say that there wasn't a part of my mind that was picturing me playing that song and then seeing a crowd of people rising and then to have that moment come to fruition. It was surreal swinging that back all the way around. I'm sure that as you are going through this, you know, you have an idea and a movie in your mind of what it really looks like to there's no set plan moment to moment, but at the same time, you're trusting in that vision that you have for what this trip could be in its best case scenario. Oh yeah, I definitely do. It, I, it, see it. <laughs> I see it. So what is, what is your ultimate goal? through all this because how long would it take to become a black belt in jujitsu it's like a 10-year journey right and you're five years deep four years deep yep coming up coming up close to five and, and it's about 10 years on average right? yeah 10 years on average trajectory what kind of trajectory do you think you're on to get there if that's the goal i'm just assuming that's the goal it's funny you say that i'd say it's it's a milestone it's not the goal that's um, the way I meant it obviously there's degrees to it I appreciate that perspective because it's you're well, never there right you're never fully there it's something I have to tell myself too because a lot of people make getting to blue belt the goal and a lot of people quit at blue belt because that was the thing they were angling for and tell me when I'm younger you're going to get into Princeton but it's not going to be everything you hoped it would be I'd be like you're kidding this is the pinnacle like this is the thing you've been working for but if you're someone who is still, if that is not the only thing that is driving you, or if there's an unresolved question, it's not going to fulfill you. You're, you're going to, what's really going to make you happy is not this title, this rank, this position, this promotion, whatever it is, it gets dangerous, especially if you have any sort of success when you're a kid at doing well at something. I'd say every memory you have of me as a kid, just crushing it kind of ruined me for a while. And now it's been a rebuilding of if things are not coming easily to me, if I am not, you know, the gold star number one in the room, what is going to keep me going with the acknowledgement that there will be somebody better and what is me doing my best look like. But in terms of what I hope that this trip, literary journey, jujitsu journey looks like, I think when I came onto this trip, I had the ambitions of, okay, I'm going to write a bestseller and I'm going to become a world champion. I'm going to win worlds at adult at blue. Well, that can't happen anymore because I, I mean my ranks changed and for me to try to win at purple I got to be a little more realistic with myself that that is going to be harder it is inherently harder it's a higher rank let's just give uh, the audience a bit of context blue sure. purple white black yeah so for uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu for adults five belts deceptively few belts but yeah, it takes about 10 years to get there on average. White, blue, purple, brown, black. So purple, you're squarely in the middle. You're not a spring chicken. You should be able to, you, you should have fundamental techniques like mastered and down. You should have an inkling of what your own game looks like if you were able to direct a match in any of your, in your desired direction. You should have like a general plan of what you like to do, where you like to be and how you like to finish the match. And you should be able at least to teach some fundamental things to mm -hmm. a lower ranking student. I'd say that is my understanding of what my current rank means. The faith to promote me means that I'm able to do these things, mm -hmm. but you'd have to ask my uh, home coach if that, if that is true and if that's his perspective. How um, does that work if you're training at all these other academies? It's, it's tricky. I think that any 
you would have to ask him, like, why did you promote me? My hunch is he was able to benchmark my level of improvement, even though I haven't been in the same training room for almost six months. When I went to roll last Thursday night, when I was back in Boston against people that I'd been training with prior to the trip who out, who outranked me then, and they still outrank me, but was I giving them more trouble? Was I able to pose more of a threat? Was I putting them a little bit more on the defense or are they still wiping the floor with me? My guess is watching those rounds would have said like, okay, yeah, level up or maybe some something from comp, just continuing to compete. I'd say different professors or maestres or academy owners have different criteria for promotion. Some base it a lot because it's hard. You'll get people in a room like I'm, you know, 31 year old female purple belt and there might be a 60 something male grandpa who's also a purple belt. And we're both eventually, you know, walking down the road to black, but what makes that guy eligible for his Brown versus me might look a little bit different. I'm competing pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. He might, you know, only be training three days a week. I'm training sometimes three times a day. Wow. Um, so it's, it, it puts Academy owners in a very interesting position and kind of like running any business. There are people who are you know, running the business and the operations and people can be really good at that. There are people who are really good teachers there are people who are really good practitioners who might not be great teachers, who might not be great at business operations. And then there's people who are you know, really skilled coaches who are able to read a room, know exactly what each kind of person needs and can almost like interpret what their goals are better than the person can themselves. So I think one thing that my home coach was excellent at is, continues to be excellent at, is getting a really diverse group of people and understanding what the next level looks like for them, even if they can't articulate it for themselves and bringing out the best in them. In addition to being an an excellent uh, teacher, which as I've gone through this trip too, I've been interviewing a lot of like the academy owners, influential training partners, and even just people in and around the field of martial arts. And the thing I often ask them is how do you balance, or do you think that a great competitor can be a great teacher? Or do you think that a great teacher can be a great business owner? Cause I kind of see these as like four separate uh, criteria that some, it is very rare to find someone who excels at all four mm-hmm. between teaching, competing, or just like being a high level practitioner, running the business and coaching. But it seems to be like the core skill set of anyone I really respect in the field in one way or another, or the things that I would like to see myself cultivate, whether I end up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would want to open it, open a gym after watching all, how, <laughs> how, how hard it could be. I think I would choose a different kind of poison, but that's been something I've, I've thought a lot about a lot on this trip and mostly the greater question of like, what does it mean to master something? And what do you and, think you're at with that? Uh, answering the question or becoming a master? <laughs> answering the question, right? Cause that's what you set out to seek answers to. So how are you, how are you finding this? I guess this is the analytical component where you're going through everything. I don't know if you've given yourself a timeline for how long you want to be out there exploring all these different gyms before you eventually, or academies before you eventually, like you were saying, settle down. Although I don't really think it's so much settling down. It's just like you're establishing in one area to eventually establish, inevitably establish yourself in another area and giving yourself Options, because how I see you before you answer the question is this Ivy League martial artist, creative writer, athlete who's got a tech background. And I imagine that the creative side carries over into the martial artist. So it's probably a very compatible combo. 
you got going on for yourself that it seems you're finally, I guess, for you able to tap into and live fully. And how I relate to that is I wanted to break down any barriers that people had about being a fit prosecutor. For whatever reason, people associated government with like a coffee and donuts culture. And it's tough to have. Yeah, I can't imagine why. It's tough (laughs) to like still want to meet all your goals and handle the level of violence that was going down where I was at for so long. And for the first year of this show, it's almost a year. I haven't talked about it at all. In fact, this is probably the first time I'm even really mentioning it. What I did for the last three years and no one really know i didn't talk about it on social media i didn't talk about it only in social circles and to really be in a place where you can combine your passions with your pursuits it takes a lot of patience because you know there's frustration along the way and like we were saying you're never fully where you want to be there's milestones versus goals and that's a very healthy perspective that you have As I look back on everything that's happened over the last few years, I see that you can break down these barriers and you can be whoever you want to be the way you want to exist. And when you lose the desire to be understood by everybody else, it makes it a lot easier to, to live your truth, for lack of a better way of putting it. So as you embrace this persona, how do you find yourself as we're going back to the question, how do you find yourself answering the initial question that you set out when you went on this trip? How do I answer the question? How's it going? I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going, it's going well, but much in the same way that, you know, I had this idea that what, so I also, I quit my job in July. So I'm coming up on my first 90 days of being out of work or choosing my own kind of work rather than working for my, my previous employer. Like out of work is relative. When you're with, when you choose not to have a job, it's different than like someone who can't get a job. Let's just kind of put that yeah, into perspective true. for a hot sec. Okay. Um, that's how I felt initially when you said it about Princeton also, I was like, uh, she could get a job. She just doesn't have the job that like she prefers well, at this juncture. I mean, what it comes down, what it comes down to is storytelling. I think if you told me back then I needed to be able to weave a story of why a comparative literature major was relevant for an employer, like that was not something that anyone in a career services office could have really taught me of my critical thinking is going to exceed that of, you know, your average person in econ, in my humble, not so humble opinion. The fact that I've studied foreign languages means that I'm able to converse well of, with people of different backgrounds in a corporate environment. Like, and that is, you know, these are all things that I now know in hindsight and how I could now almost 10 years later, legitimize what was so powerful about the major that I studied and how it set me up for success, even in tech talking, you know, speaking, you know, Arabic and Chinese may or may not be most applicable in, you know, an English speaking work environment, but being able to communicate between marketers and engineers, those are still two different languages. So I guess the, the question around mastery and how the trip is going, it's a different kind of hard is what I typically say. My life used to be, if I were thinking about points on a triangle, there was my professional life at the office, there was jujitsu and there was writing. And then there's the grander ecosystem of family and friends and relationships, not to discount those, but in terms of where like the majority of my creative energy was going, Mm. those three. Work got the best, always got the best. Jiu-jitsu, I'm keeping the lights on. I'm showing up to class consistently. I'm there five, six days a week. I show up to train, maybe not with brilliant intention. I'm showing up and I'm doing the work and I'm being consistent. 
writing was dead last. I crap out a blog post at the end of the month to stay consistent to myself and accountable. It didn't have to be my best work as long as I did it. If you were to think of how that triangle looks on a plane, the work is up here, jujitsu's here, and then writing's like here. When you think of those X, Y, Z plots, yeah, you can't take the nerd out even if you take the tech kid out of the workforce. That's the best way I've thought of plotting it. And now it's more like a seesaw of like, there's the jujitsu in the writing. And on any given day, the seesaw is going to tilt in one direction or the other. And it's really hard to, in both pursuits where, you know, success is not guaranteed, doing the work really that even if nobody's ever going to see it, And when you only have yourself to trust for how much effort you're putting in, it's really hard. I have, yeah, my, my coach, my home coach is back in Boston. He's not seeing me go into the training room every day, able to like correct or mindset, correct technique. There's a lot of self-sufficiency I've had to cultivate on this trip and to build new relationships with new training partners in an, in new rooms every two months. That's been a challenge. I didn't realize how, just how comfortable I was back in Boston until I pulled myself out of it and I was just, am I, I needed to know, like, can I shine elsewhere? Can I be successful in a different room? And I think the answer I got to that question was I can, it takes work, but you have the determination and the focus to do so. And I got that answer. I think by our second city, I was pretty clear on that. The question around like the writing of, do you have what it takes to see this creative project through? I think the answer is Yes, but it's going to, it's going to be like trying to get your black belt. It is not going to be, you know, you travel for a year and you pop out this, you know, prize winning manuscript that's going to get, you know, the book and the movie deal and is going to be all over the internet and launch you into a career of public speaking and media. And Emily Blunt's going to get cast as you for the, for the biopic, like whatever it is. Manifestation. <laughs> I mean, I'll take it that the creative pursuit, it is not going to be an overnight thing. The company I'm often think about is a stitch fix and the story of like Karina Lake. I think I'd read it when I was in business school, everyone sees her going up to like ring the bell for stitch fixes, IPO, not realize how freaking hard it was for her to take that fashion subscription box and turn it into something that was a real business. And it's not a flash in the pan. Like it's still going on. I still subscribe to it, even though I'm trying to cut all of my unnecessary expenses. Cause I think it yeah. is a good, I think it is a good service. And Frankly, I didn't pack any dresses on this trip and I had a wedding last weekend. So <laughs> it's it, it, it saved it saved my ass there. The creative endeavors, like anything else, it's a lot of pawing around in the dark, trying to make inches, ideally meters, ideally miles walk forward. But most of the days you're just kind of confused and t- but you're as long as you're walking directionally to your north, whatever that north is then you're doing well. And that's what I think about this trip. When people are like, how's it going? Or like, is the trip successful? I couldn't really tell you like day to day. I couldn't really tell you overall. Am I moving in the right direction? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I know what the outcome is going to be? Not necessarily. I could tell you what I want the outcome to be, but even at the beginning of the trip, I'm like, oh yeah, I want a world championship title. That wasn't everything. Everything is subject to change at a a minute's notice, a moment's notice. You don't know who you're going to meet. That's going to change anything. You don't know when like a health concern, like one of the biggest things in my life prior to jujitsu, the quitting the job, this whole road trip, most influential thing I think that had happened to me was in 2012 when I got diagnosed with celiac disease and I had to be gluten-free for foreseeably the rest of my life. And that changed my dynamics with people. It changed my ideas around career aspirations. I wanted to work in China as an expat and that kind of dietary restrictions, kind of a non-starter when you work in Asia, especially back 2012. So that forced 
a lot of things in my life to redirect. And I ended up, when I applied to business school, I didn't apply with this idea around international business. I applied around food startups and that's what I thought I wanted to do. I had one in the Cambridge, Boston area, and I wanted to go to business school to learn the skills to help that grow, scale and succeed. All of which is to say, I have this idea of how things are going and how they will all work out. I will be pleasantly surprised probably by how they will or will not fit the ideas that I currently have. But I also know that in the end, everything seems to come full circle. I think when I applied to college, I'd, the program I thought I wanted to do was this dual degree program at Penn for like, end up with like your MBA from Wharton and your master's and um, an undergrad bachelor's in their school of engineering, dual degree, super pre-professional. I get to college in one semester and I end up going to Princeton one bad semester of physics. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm enjoying this. And then I, I, I take my semester to bunk off, study linguistics, Portuguese, Chinese foreign relations. And that sabbatical semester was like, yeah, I'm not going back to engineering. Run the clock a couple of years later, I'm working in business, in business and engineering at tech companies. So it even, it all, it all ends up, you end up tapping that portion of your brain or that desire sooner or later. And you can't really predict how I thought it was going to be in college for me. It ended up being in my career later on. So. Well, there's a couple of things to unpack there, but I want to start. I'll see if I can recall everything that we were talking about. There's a quote by Plato, I believe. The ideal citizen is a scholar athlete, an individual of thought and an individual of I don't remember the last word. I think athleticism. We'll just call it that for lack of a better way of putting it. When you're able to take everything that you have done in your career and you, and you were talking about the three points and you look back and you think about how it set you up for where you are. I look at where I am now in I just started on Monday, actually, at PNY. And it's this crazy feeling. I have had this door my whole life. I never in a million years would have been able to give it the credence. But now this whole week going into those doors every day has been this surreal experience where I went from taking the four train to the Bronx every day to... And now the last few days, just driving to this office, it it feels like going home and it's a different type of purpose. It's a different type of calling where now I'm around the engineers and I've been litigating and handling domestic violence for the last three years. It has nothing to do with electrical engineering. It's crazy. So when you talk about all these different points in your life and how they have balance you you were saying you were showing up in one area being consistent and then in another area you were giving it your max when you talk about the balance points of everything that that you went through I started to think about where I was showing up giving everything and still focused on what the vision was of who I want to be in my mind and Just briefly, when I went to Oregon a few months ago, I hadn't left the tri-state area in over a year. I was going to ask what brought you to, or what sent you to Oregon? So I had been, it's been over a year now. I just hadn't been out of the tri-state area in months. 
like I was saying before, the level of violence and the gravity and responsibility that criminal prosecutors have at all, and then let alone to do it in an area like the Bronx. And then this is just how I feel about those prosecutors in general. I happen to do that, but there are people that make careers out of it and they have my utmost respect because it's not for everyone. And mentally, I was in a place where I needed to get away. And I'd never really felt like that before because I pride myself on being able to endure. And the same kind of switch with my work happened with my training where I stopped going to a place of I need to break me versus I need to build me. And I used to Hmm. work in a way and train in a way that was go till you're broken effectively. And that wasn't really healthy. So once I was able to enjoy that process, everything shifted and Oregon comes into the picture because I needed to do something that was so different than where everyone else was going to loom or my like whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. I was like, I need to just, yeah. see. I need to see things. I need to breathe. I need fresh air. I need space. And there's a lot of trees in Oregon, FYI. I don't know if oh, you yeah. know that. <laughs> I've never trees, seen so many vineyards. Trees. Insane. It's beautiful out there. So while I'm there, I'm driving down the coast from like Southern Oregon back to Eugene, like six, seven hour drive by myself in this Dodge Charger, like living the American dream full of <laughs> no fell upon that moment and then all of a sudden the water disappears and i'm on this extremely windy road and it gets darker and narrower and then i see a sign for beware of rock avalanche oh nice it's one of those roads that if you make a wrong turn it looks like you're gonna like the car's gonna flip over and then it says leaving Rock Avalanche Zone. I just, thought, I just felt so helpless in my mind. And I just started thinking about all the other areas in my life where I felt helpless. All these muscles, all this work. And what? If something happened, what would I do? And then I see another sign as I continue driving that says leaving Tsunami Zone. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I There's a lot of climate in Oregon. I didn't realize uh, there was that apparently, much. Apparently. Apparently. So I look to the left. And I see this massive mountain looking thing. And I just pictured in my head a tsunami coming over it. And I was like, I need to do something. There needs to, I need to change. Like something needs to, something needs to happen. And I was visiting a friend who had a farm out there. Shout out to Max Cohen, who hung out in Israel and kept in touch hadn't seen him in like a decade so he was the reason i was in southern oregon initially i was just going to check it out he happens to live there so i saw a sign for martial arts and my brain starts working a bit i think i know where this is going i start seeing your content and that just pushed it over the edge and when i say i had to coach myself towards that i and i reached out to you i remember i went to renzo gracie because you recommended a few different academies And my life hasn't been the same. I coached myself through every moment 
of walking into that gym, like I can't even tell you from packing a bag the night before to saying just open the door to go outside. You know, I called a couple of gyms, all that stuff, seen availability, but literally that it was a Friday. Just just go to the elevator. Just go down the edge. Just go to the lobby. Just get on the subway. Not walk to the subway. Get on the subway. Mm-hmm. Walk out of the subway. Just walk by it. All right, just go into the, the door. door. Have the conversation. Put your bag down. Literally take your shoes off. Every single micro moment. You start doing the warm up. They go through the combos. My mind's exploding. Like it was, it was, it was crazy. And then it ends up being like a freestyle kind of thing. And the guy that held pads for me, great, great kid. And it just opened up my soul. I had never felt so fulfilled. This is a session where we finished with everyone's punching each other in the stomach, <laughs> like or whatever. But I hadn't taken a hit in years. And you ever see the movie Green Street Hooligans? No, should I? Sorry, if you're into like soccer or whatever, it's it's. No, I'll see it. But it's it's good. It's with Elijah Wood. So there's this one line in there, and I'm probably gonna misquote it a bit, but I remember it very briefly. When you realize you're not made of glass, like when you get mm. punched in the face and you realize you're not made of glass, like your whole life effectively changes. And that is how I felt in that moment. I didn't die, even with military and everything. You know, you, you scrap and all that stuff, but it's not it's not the same thing as like full on sparring or, or anything like that. Just knowing that mentally you can handle yourself where I was taking all these verbal assaults at work. I needed another way to balance it out, but you pushed me over that edge to walk into that gym. And those conversations really put me in a place to now I can, I've never been more whole in my entire life from leaving the DA to picking up martial arts Talk about full circle moments 20 plus years later, me and you were sitting down. You were the gold star student. I was the one like crawling on the floor. (laughs) And here we are having a conversation about life. And it's insane because you still are a gold star in a different way. Doesn't have to be the number one jujitsu female martial artist champion. You are someone who motivates by virtue of your existence and that is a gold star that doesn't stop shining that's something that you're manifesting everything you wanted to accomplish moment by moment and even if it isn't on the trajectory and way that you have initially thought it would be i can't tell you how much what you do gives me the courage to do what i do and it really shows it every time I shadow box every time because I take to the striking more. So I'm going towards what I'm yeah. leaning in. I'm not stopping at Muay Thai. Like I want to go through judo. I want to go through BJJ. I want to study martial arts for the rest of my life. And the beautiful thing about fitness is that, and I've talked about it before, another scholar athlete out there, Ross Edgley, swam around Great Britain in 157 days has done like incredible, incredible feats. I'm not going to get into all his credentials, but he's written a few books. And in his first one, he talks about the five laws of fitness. At the bottom of this pyramid, you have the law of body basics. On top of it, you have the law of progressive overload. On top of that, you have the law of specific skill. On top where you're applying body basics, progressive overload, specific skill, same principles. On top of that, you have the law of recovery. On top of that, the law of more. And then at the top of the pyramid, there's no peak. 
And the reason for that is because fitness is a journey that everyone should start and no one should finish. And when I learned that, it took the pressure off and it stopped assigning timelines to whatever my fitness goals were. And I take that same framework and apply it to martial arts and it gives me a level of patience that allows me to be present when I'm doing what I'm doing and recognize, like you said, the magic of four years versus four months. I couldn't throw a proper punch. I still can't throw a proper punch depending on who you ask, but (laughs) it's incredible the type of fighter I am now relative to when I first started and the, the immense patience and confidence and courage, all that stems from you. So whatever intrinsic value I've assigned to this, I don't bring it out without those conversations because you're the only person in the world that I could talk to about it. And to know that we had that connection when we were younger and to still see it through now, it really has made a world of a difference in my life. And you inspired me and you continue to inspire people out there. And it's interesting because social media, you know, the likes and all that stuff, whether, whether people see or don't see, I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me privately to let me know that what I'm doing is motivating them. And even if this episode inspires one person or no people, and I just got the opportunity to tell you what you've done for me, I hope that carries because I got a good feeling about where you're going with everything. It may not be on that timeline you initially said. You, know, it is, you are you are thriving. You are truly, truly thriving. It is really, yeah. it is really, really impressive. You were always impressive <laughs> to see it in a different way where you don't assign the Ivy League name to it. You still have it. You've done it. No one can ever take it away from you. And to know that you have the incredible background that you have, you still took it upon yourself to be a humble student and learn and continue to learn. And that's what's so amazing about martial arts in general. I think that when people first touch it and they see what they can do with their bodies, you have a say if someone tries to attack you. And that's all it's ever been about for me. I don't have to be number one. I just want to say in what happens. Mm -hmm. And I work towards having more to say, I guess, every time I, I practice. It's really awesome to catch up with you. I can't even tell you the nostalgia, the level of nostalgia that's going on over here right now. I mean, I'm glad you remember more of this, more of the those martial arts moments that I do. That it is after after we wrap up, the first thing I'm going to do is text my home coach and say, "You will not believe what I, I was on a, a podcast of a childhood friend who did karate with me as a kid. I remembered nothing. The only thing I remember is the night that I quit. He remembers the night I went at." and scored some points against an enormous dude. Yeah. Some, th- some things never changed. <laughs> that that has not changed at all. <laughs> it's it's really incredible. I really do remember it like that. This massive kid. He was not 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah, was... 13, a 13 natty athlete, right? <laughs> Literally. Oh, my God. Massive. I wonder what happened to that. Either way, you, you've always set the standard and and you continue to set the standard in 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 a different way and yeah it really is remarkable to see and it's funny now you're talking about engineering i spent the whole week with engineers i now have learned how to learn and as a litigator you have to know how to build a case and be someone that can convey information palatably to individuals that have no clue what you're talking about 
And that's the approach that I'm trying to take with this whole experience now. Instead of prosecuting domestic violence, I'm now studying electrical engineering because one day I have to present in some way, shape, or form. It's, it's really awesome to see you. You too. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be surprised how far, even just your first year, you'll come in that kind of, like being the less technical person in the room of technical people. That's, I wouldn't have expected it, but once you, in, in the same thing, when you learn the vocabulary of a martial art, you come in, you don't even know what, like what a punch and a kick is or what makes a good punch or a kick. And even, and then you get to the point of, I might not be able to throw one, but I could tell you what makes a good one. I could tell you when it, when it hits me, what's a good punch versus a bad punch. I could tell you some of the mechanics of it. And eventually you're able to execute it for yourself. But I'm, I'm willing to predict if we speak again, you know, six months from now or one year from now about how things are going for you at PNY, you'll probably be at the point of knowing your punch mechanics, so to speak, and maybe being able to throw a few of your own wow. in the workplace. Thank you. I really appreciate that. When are you back in New York? I don't know. Obviously, we should chill. Yeah. You know, it's good that you don't know. All right. Oh, we have special guests. What's up, man? This is, How's it going? <laughs> this, this is Snickers, the road wow. trip companion. So Snickers. That, she's another great example of uh, the ideas and plans that you have for yourself. And then, yeah, I never expected to own a dog. I mean, grew up with, I grew up with one. But if you told me, hey, we didn't plan to start traveling until the end of last year. And we got her in October of last year. We adopted her. And the logistics of traveling with the dog, even a small one, it forces creativity. That's for sure. How you doing, Snick? So before we wrap up, there's one, at least one more question that I want to ask. Sure. Hit me, so to speak. (laughs) What do you think the version of you 10 years from now would say to you today? It is something I heard in a self-help meeting many years ago. Keep coming, always resume. Basically, don't don't give up. Stay the course. That my and a reminder that my intuition has yet to be wrong about people, about purpose, about sense of direction. And so long as I honor that, it will work out. It will probably not work out in the way that I expect it to. It will probably be like this or something better. In the same way that you had your you know, sort of transformative experience in Oregon. I would say this trip, this trip in itself is a transformative experience, but something that set me up years ago that influenced me to apply to business school and start a food business was a yoga retreat in the middle of New Hampshire. And that was my equivalent weekend of after those three days, I came out with two very clear visions and directions of, I was going to start a food business. And I was going to apply to business school and that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. I'd given myself space for the epiphany moment to happen. So uh, 10 years from now, what I hope I'll be able to say is that trip was, you know, making space for the epiphany moment that would define the next meaningful body of work that I was meant to create. And also I hope that 10 years from now, me would be able to say, you're going to get everything you want here. You won't leave any stone unturned. You will get that book. And it will not come easily, easily, but it will be worth it. No, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Eric is Zendel. 
such a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having I me. I can't wait to see how things are going to unfold for you in the next few months. We'll have another follow-up. I'm sure everyone's going to be curious after this one. <laughs> so proud of you. You look great. Snickers is great. Yeah, she's funny. <laughs> <laughs> she's a good mascot. I'm, I'm, not, I'm better on paper. I'm not going to come up with anything extemporaneous or great to say aside from just thank you for everything. My pleasure. Likewise. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to this episode of Inside the Inspired. This conversation reminded me of the value behind making bold decisions. We get so caught up in routine that sometimes we can forget how important it is to build our best selves so that we can show up for the people around us. As I record and release these episodes, I remind myself of what it means to evolve and level up, forcing ourselves to endure while exposing our minds and bodies to small bursts of stress physiologically shifts our power up a notch. It's called hormesis, the phenomenon that adaptive responses of biological systems to moderate environmental or self-imposed challenges through which the system improves its functionality and tolerance to more severe challenges. Essentially what that means is when you do hard things, you get better, you get stronger. Notice you're in a better mood after training or doing something just outside the bounds of where you believe your skills lie makes you feel better. Well, those hard challenges force us as humans to level up. That's why this weekend, February 25th, I've accepted the David Goggins Navy SEAL 4x4x48 challenge. Running four miles every four hours for 48 hours in honor of my grandmother, Ziva Cohen. Pushing beyond the limits of what we believe is possible for ourselves to see who we come out as on the other side. I'll be running an additional two miles for a total of 50 miles in 48 hours. I'm raising money for the Cure Alzheimer's Through Research Fund and donating $100 following each of the runs. I lost both of my grandmothers to this disease. This isn't a fitness test, it's about resilience, something both my grandmothers demonstrated profoundly. I know that when it comes to resilience, the memories of my grandmothers will serve as my inspiration to endure, give back, and honor their lives. In my opinion, that's the strongest blessing and gift that I have to offer. In everything bad, there's something good, and I'm hoping that through this challenge, we can raise money for a cause bigger than ourselves and support research towards eliminating this disease once and for all. If you're interested in donating, you can check out our GoFundMe page linked to in the show notes. So that's all for this episode. Can't wait to catch up with you all and let you know how the 50 mile run goes. Thank you again for tuning in and until next time, stay safe, stay strong, stay mindful.